0: Good morning Five Stones. So hi, uh, I'm Eugene. I'm one of the elders here at Five Stones Church. So uh, welcome on this beautiful sunny January day. It's a blessing to be in beautiful British Columbia and especially nice when it's sunny. I was out in Vancouver yesterday and Everybody's on the street, the cyclist is on the road, so, and the calls are out, so it's just such an exciting time, it's such a nice break in this uh, great winter weather. So we're continuing with our sermon series on spiritual discipline. Uh, Pastor Alex and Pastor John have shared on prayer and fasting in the last two weeks. There's actually 12 disciplines in this series, and As Alex shared at the beginning, the the purpose of these disciplines is to help us in our formation of our heart to follow Jesus. I included a number of scriptures today in the message, so again, we'll be visiting those passages. So again, fasten your seatbelt, we're going to be jumping over to those verses as well. Now, back in 2012, during a uh, Fox News interview, the late Billy Graham, uh, he was 92 at that time, and he was asked to reflect on his life and his ministry. And he, they asked him, if he had the opportunity to live his life over again, what would he do? So he fought for a moment, and he said, this is what I'll do differently. He said, I would study more, I would pray more, travel less, less speaking engagements. I took too many of them in too many places around the world. If I had to do it over again, I would spend more time in meditation and prayer and just telling the Lord how much I love Him and adore Him and looking forward to the time that we're going to spend together in eternity. Billy Graham was not saying that the work that he did in evangelism, preaching the good news, is not important. They touch millions of people, and they're great work for the kingdom. But he also took on a lot of interviews and speaking engagement on top of that, and that's what he's referring to, that he could have cut back on those things. His lifelong devotion to the service of God, reaching out to the millions cannot be replaced by the most important part, which is to spend more personal time in communion with our Lord. This is a well-lived wisdom, and this is something that we can reflect, especially if we have years to go in our lives, until we focus. In Psalm 19, verse 14, David wrote, May the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 1914. David's desire is to have the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart to be pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We're able to come and worship together. Such a joy that we're able to come physically in a place that we can worship you. Just enjoy your presence. Enjoy the fellowship of our brother and sister in Christ, Lord. Father, as we look through this series of discipline, Lord, we ask you to to lead us and guide us. May the Holy Spirit just review your truth and help us to walk in a deeper fellowship with you and that we see you more clear. We thank you for what you have done for us. And we thank you for Jesus. Help me as I share today, Lord, that may your Holy Spirit just speak through me, that your, only your word will come through. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So when we hear the word meditation, we often picture in our image of some, somebody sitting in the lotus position practicing eastern, far east meditation, Now, Eastern Meditation, especially coming from Buddhism, has been very popular in the West. It's been here since probably the 70s. I remember when I was in my preteen and we're trying out Taekwondo classes and and an instructor would tell us near the end of the session to just sit down for five minutes and just empty your mind. I find it hard not to think about anything. And I usually use that few minutes to kind of daydream. But can somebody really empty their mind and have no thoughts? Meditating on the Word of God requires our minds and our heart. So let's start with our mind. Today we are bombarded with information. We have deadlines, we have pressure at work, at home child care, many things that really pushes us and occupy our thoughts. And people, they pursue Eastern meditation to connect with their inner self, find peace and tranquility, and hopefully leading them to happier and more productive lives. But what will we discover inside, inside ourselves? The human mind is complex and very powerful, and I'm certainly not any expert in it. I barely passed my Psych 100 class back in university. (laughs) (laughs) But our thoughts and the things that occupies our mind on a day-to-day basis is like the helm of a ship or your steering wheel in your car. It kind of steers your life. It affects how we behave, the decision that we make, and even subconsciously, the mind can pull up information buried deep inside us, and that will help shape our reality. My cousin, his name is Tony. He was here from Taiwan a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and we were gathered for a family meal at this uh, Cantonese restaurant. And although we, we were born in Hong Kong together, and we, we grew up there as young kids. My family immigrated to Canada and he, he moved to Taiwan. So as we were just enjoying the meal, my my cousin he's a foodie and he, he just kept commenting on how much he enjoys the taste of good Cantonese food and how much he misses it where he lived. And the dishes just keep triggering up all these fond memories that he had in childhood. Memories of Places and people. He had these meals with. The mind has so much stored information that it really can affect our emotions, our feelings, and our mind is also influenced by what we read, or the people around us, what we see, our background, our culture. They can be positive or negative. And every morning, I now I'm retired, so I have a bit more time. I can enjoy my, my morning walk. I walk to kind of declutter my mind, refresh it for the morning. I use it for a time to listen to some worship music on my headphones, uh, some Bible podcasts maybe, and also to spend a little quiet time in my devotion with the Lord. But when we empty our mind, it's kind of like leaving the front door of your house open. And you're inviting the burglar to break in. When we know that Satan is lurking in your neighborhood, and he will use the opportunity to come in and fill your house with fear, doubts, lies, jealousy, lust, distractions, maybe saying that you're not good enough, or you should have more stuff than your neighbors. So if we don't guard our minds, and our thoughts will start to control us. Like, for example, in a heated conversation, when the other person is kind of pushing all my buttons, I get frustrated, I fuster. I cannot listen objectively anymore. My mind will be focusing on, like, reloading the cannon and ready to re-fire at the next opportunity, right? But when we look back at Psalm 19, David wants the word of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts to be pleasing. Pleasing to who? Not himself, but pleasing to the Lord. So our mind is a battlefield of thoughts. For whom? For what? That we live for. And even including our subconsciousness, we have incredible power in our mind that could take us down to a dark place or it could also lift us up to a higher place, a higher ground, a higher plane. God created us with a beautiful mind and we have to learn how to control our thoughts, rejecting the negative and opening it and meditating on his word. Paul wrote in Romans 6, 6-8, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Romans 6, 6 to 8. And in Colossians 3, 2 to 4, it says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. So we choose between the thoughts of our flesh, are the thoughts of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God dwells within us, but the f- thoughts of the flesh are uh, self-centered, self-focused, self-serving. The thoughts of the Spirit is motivated by love, care, service, grace, forgiveness, compassion. So again, Paul wrote in Philippians 4. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Philippians 4, 8. So in biblical meditation, we are to fill our minds purify our minds with God's holiness his attributes directing our minds to God reflecting on his word his promises and his revelation so now let's focus on the heart the meditation of the heart how can we meditate spiritually that is pleasing to the Lord so David wrote that Psalm 19 the entire chapter as a as a piece of poetry but it's also is a blueprint of how we can meditate on God's word. It is essentially divided into three parts. The first part is to soak in the beauty of God's glory. Said "The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaimed the works of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voices goes out into all the earth and the worlds to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. And it's like the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, is a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of heaven and makes a circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So David start by pondering the beauty and the majesty of the creation. With poetry, with images, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky proclaimed the works of his hand. God does not just create the heavens and earth, He created it from nothing. When you and I do something, we usually build something, we will have some material to start with. We want to cook a dish, we'll have some good ingredients to work with. But God created our nothing. So, what it tells us about our God, He is creative. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, our solar system works like a precise switch watch. It does everything to sustain life on Earth. Yes, there's darkness in our world because of the fall, but this does not diminish how glorious and how beautiful His creation is, especially for us living in, here in British Columbia. We can see on a sunny day like this just how glorious the world is and how beautiful. But it's not only beautiful and functional, too. So, this stirs David's heart and it should stir our heart just to ponder on his creation. Second, the second part of this psalm is to rest in the perfection and sufficiency of God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord is trustworthy, making wise the simple. The percepts of the Lord is right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous, They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. But your servant is warned, in keeping them, there is great reward. So David testified through his lifelong relationship with God, a man after God's own heart, that God's law is perfect, is trustworthy, it's true. It refreshes his soul, brings joy to his heart. God's law gives us light when, to our eyes when we're in darkness. It's kind of like the lines painted on the road or the, uh, the traffic light at the intersection. It guides us so we can drive safely. His decree is firm and is righteous. His percepts are precious and sweet and we can cherish it in our heart. And it brings reward to those who obeys them. We do not earn our salvation by following the law. We are saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. But God's law should humble us and humble our heart to point us to our need for our Savior. The last section... In Psalm 19, is to acknowledge that we are sinners. David said, But who can discern our own errors, forgive our hidden faults, keep our servant also from willful sins? May they not rule over me? Then I will be blameless, innocent of the great transgression. Then may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing. In your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. So David acknowledged that he has sins. He has faults. Sins that he knows and a sin he doesn't even know. So he humbled himself and asked for forgiveness for all his sins. He sought deliverance from his natural nature. So without the, the scripture guiding us, how do we know? of of recognize our sins and why Christ has died for us. Then David closed the poem by surrendering himself completely to God. That is the word that comes out of his mouth, the meditation that's going on in his heart, be pleasing to the Lord. And he knew there's a joy in obedience, and he knew also there's deadly consequences of sin. So he decided to walk blameless before the Lord. I can imagine David singing this worship song and praising the Lord. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Meditation. Meditation on God's word. Meditation literature. Now, you may ask, well, I still find it hard to meditate on the Bible because I don't understand many of the verses. Yes, to be frank, the Bible is a very dense book. It's a collection of actually 66 books written over 1,500 years by different authors. The literary style includes law, poetry, wisdom, history, letters, teachings. The Old Testament was written in the ancient Hebrews under many ancient historical kingdoms. The New Testament is written in the context of a Jewish and Greek cultural influence. So yes, it is difficult to understand the scripture. I find it hard to understand as well. But let's see what David says in the opening book of Psalms, Psalm number one. He says, Blessed is the man who walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of the sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season. And who leaves does not wither, and whatever he does prosper. You don't need a PhD to, to meditate on God's word. David didn't say he mastered the understanding of all the scripture. He simply trusts in it and delight in it and meditate on the law of God. He submit his life to it. And it refreshes him, and it also prosper his undertaking. Meditation is not to make us smart, but to or, but to give us wisdom. Psalm earlier, Psalm nineteen seven, the verse say, "Make the wise, mix wise the simple." So we listen carefully and meditate on it with our heart. The Holy Spirit will give us revelation and speak life. To us and let us experience God Here's one approach that I'm learning right now To help me meditate on the word of God It's called biblical imagination If we open the Bible and engage the scripture With our mind and with our heart The verses will speak out to us Through the Holy Spirit The Bible itself is an amazing meditation literature activating our hearts and our minds, kind of connecting that, our minds and hearts to God's. The very feature that makes the Bible very challenging to read is actually an invitation of a lifetime of meditation. Back in the 1990s, uh, Ruth and I attended our, our first Christian concert, <laughs> and it was at the Chan Center at UBC, and on stage were just a piano and an artist. The artist was Michael Card. Uh, he's a musician from Tennessee. He wrote many famous Christian songs, and he wrote a lot of lullabies lullaby as well, and we used to play that for our kids when they were a baby on our cassette tape. We played it over and over again. But he was also a theologian, first and foremost. And he was mentored by a man named William Lane, another theologian, and he's a contributor to the NIV Bible. And at the time when we saw him at UBC, he was actually studying under the late J.I. Packer at Regent College there. And as part of Michael's creativity, he says based on what he called "inform biblical imagination. So bear with me here, because I'm going to talk about this. And here's an illustration from the scene of Jesus calling the disciples oops, from Mark chapter 1, verse 14 to 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left the nets and followed him. When he gone a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them, and he they left the father Zebedee, and the boat with the hired men and followed him. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Here's the scene. From our Sunday school k- k- days Jesus seemed most approachable Most inviting Most available Most human at this moment Probably with a smile on his face And we imagine those would-be disciples smiling back Smiling at Jesus using that term Of fisher of men Creative speech Yeah, we're fishermen Yeah, so we fish for men now It was a warm day on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, very peaceful. Not even the sound of the bird can be heard. The sand is warm between the fishermen's toes. It's a very inviting moment, almost cozy. The excitement of the disciple's heart will resonate with ours. And if we were there that day in 29 AD, we would have left everything and followed Jesus too. Before we go on, there's a caution, a caution about imagination. The question is, isn't imagination linked to the evil of the human heart? Do we end up just creating God in our own image? In Genesis 6, 5, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in in the earth and that every imagination or thoughts of his heart is only evil continually. In Jeremiah 6, uh, 7, 24, it says, But they heartened not, and inclined their ears, but walked in the counsel and in the imagination of the evil heart, and went backward, not forward. There's many passages in the Old Testament. I listed them. I don't have time to cover them. But that refers to the evil of the human heart and the imagination that is linked to it. Especially in Jeremiah. There's a number of verses in Jeremiah. But the root of the problem is not imagination or thoughts, but what is inside our hearts. The human heart is corrupted after the fall. Our hearts and minds are also fragmented. Our mind may tell us what we ought to do, but we don't do it. That's called head knowledge. My wife, Ruth, always reminds me of that. <laughs> or if our heart is willing, but our mind casts doubts and fear, and in the end, we don't do what we ought to do because our flesh is weak. So, yes, the human mind is stubborn, the human mind is wicked. But we also need our heart to hear God's word. So here's the battle cry. Uh, Davy likes to quote this often at prayer meetings. And this is our battle cry casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God is to seek to recapture our hearts and our mind for His glory. We need to take captive of the thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. That way, we, in, we integrate our hearts and our mind with God. And imagination is that bridge that bridges our mind and our hearts together. And it creates images. So if we surrender that to God for the process of just listening to the scripture, which will bring revelation and understanding. And this is what Michael Card and his, uh, his mentor, William Lane, call biblical imagination. So we imagine and listen closely on the scripture, our hearts and our minds will be firing our cylinders. We are able then to engage the scripture at a level of informed biblical imagination. Yes, it does require us to do some homework. Use a study Bible. It's very helpful. It helps you cross reference. And use the entire Bible to help you interpret. Don't take a verse or a passage out of context. Do some reading, use some commentaries. There's good literature around. If you sieve through the internet or YouTube, there's some gems buried in there as well. So with informed imagination, that, that cozy beach scene I mentioned earlier is probably not biblically accurate. Here again is how Michael caught with towers who inform imagination. We saw just before, on the early part of the verses, it says that before Jesus calling his disciples, he just spent 40 days in the desert. He was physically challenged by Satan. Mark 13 said that he was with wild beasts, probably not unlike the early Christians, swung in with the lions at the Roman stadiums. So, the intensity of the time in the desert, fasting for 40 days, would likely be on Jesus' face, his countenance, when he approached those would be disciples. And right after his ordeal in the desert, he just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested or uh, put in prison by Harold Antipas. That bloodthirsty guy, well, it doesn't take Jesus' prophetic imagination to know that John won't be living much longer. And indeed, Harold beheaded John later on. So death and persecution was shattering those who proclaiming the rival of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus' creative speech is appealed to the fishermen, fishers of men. This is not some health and wealth career change for the fishermen. Jesus' speech is rooted in the Old Testament. He lived and breathed the Old Testament. And the term fisher of men comes from Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah 16, 16, when God says, But I will... Send forth many fishermen, dot, 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 and they will catch them. In the context of that passage is that Jeremiah is prophesizing on the judgment of God. There was great disaster. So these Jewish fishermen, they knew know the Hebrew Bible. They would know what Jesus meant exactly when he said to be fisher of men. It wasn't cozy. It wasn't an inviting scene. It was deadly serious business. Anonymous and powerful. So when we do our homework and activate our mind and our hearts through informed biblical imagination, this scene comes alive. We can relate to the heartbeats of those would-be disciples. What is going through their mind when Jesus called them. As they drop the nets and follow Jesus, giving up the stable income, the stability, the families. The cost of disciples was not cheap, but they were obedient and they followed. Here at Five Stones Church, we're blessed with many creative people here. We're people creative in music, in visual arts, painting, dance, photography, graphics technology, imagine, and pardon the pun, how informed biblical imagination can help activate our mind and our hearts to to get at that, as we sang earlier, deeper knowledge of him, Jesus Christ, help us to present the gospel in a much powerful and creative way. Presenting the word to engaged people so that they can experience Jesus, their Messiah. Meditation is only one of the many spiritual disciplines in this sermon series. I kind of already cross over to John's sermon next week on studying the scripture. <laughs> Sorry, John. <laughs> but each dip- discipline is not mutually exclusive. But they all work together to form, as a formation of our heart. We study the Word, we pray, we fast, we meditate. The goal of it is to be more like Jesus. So when Jeremiah says, When the Word came, I ate them. They were my joy and my delight. In Matthew 12, 35, Jesus said to the Pharisees, uh, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good store up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil store in him. So, why not prioritize our time and create a healthy rhythm of studying the word in prayer and fasting? In meditation, read the verses loud, aloud in your own devotional time. I used to do it when I was riding the bus with my headphones on and people around me would be wondering why I'm mumbling. <laughs> write the verses on a small card and take it with you during the day and maybe pull it out during your break and just read it, maybe memorize it, meditate on it. And include God's word in your worship. God's promise, use it in your prayers. And then rest on his word because it is true and trustworthy. So as we read, we listen, we pray, we meditate, let the word of God transform us, our hearts and our minds. And this is why the, the very famous passage in Romans twelve two says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God wills is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, my prayer for you today for Five Stones Church is that we'll be a family of people that will model the long, lifelong commitment of this discipline, of meditation, that the word of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to our God, our rock and our redeemer. Let us pray. And I'll ask the worship team to come up as well. Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that is trustworthy and true, that we can hang our life and our eternity on it, Lord. We thank you for what you have done on the cross for us, Lord, that we have the access to you, Lord, Father, we thank you for the freedom we have here in Canada. We're able to study your word, read it freely. We can own Bibles. Father, you give us the freedom to come to you, Lord. Help us to reorient our priority in our lives. Disciple us, Lord, that we will have the discipline to follow you, to hear from you, to seek you. Father, let our hearts go deeper to you, Lord, and to understand what you're speaking to us, Lord, that we come closer to you, Lord. We know that understanding your word is not a theology, but is to experience you more, Lord. So, Father, we ask you to come upon each of us as our heart digs deeper into you, to follow you, to listen to you, and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit guiding us each day of our lives, Lord. May you bless us with your truth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit to help us and guide us, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Eugene, for that word. As we've pointed out, each discipline is not mutually exclusive. That as we go through these 12 weeks of, of the different spiritual disciplines, that you're going to see a lot of them will intersect with each other and meditation and study go hand in hand. That study is about the mind, but meditation is about the heart. That when we talk about meditation, it is our hearts engaging with God. It's coming to a place where um, we, we are compelled by scripture. This is your quiet time. This is the time where we call our morning devotions or evening devotions or whatever whatever you call it. It is the compelling aspect of God touching your heart and making scripture alive in your spirit. That's what meditation is about. Next week we're going to go into study, but study gives us the framework for meditation. Study gives us the, it's, it's our guardrails guard for meditation. But as we talk about meditation, I want to encourage you, church, to step into a place where scripture becomes alive in your life. Take time this week, and I challenge you guys to do this, during your commute, during those times where you're just listening to the radio or listening um, or, or zoning out on the bus, whatever you do, Version has a great Bible app that reads to you. Replace your music, replace the radio with scripture. Take this week, just try that out. Try that on and see what happens. Try that out and see how Scripture will compel you to do things. Try that out and see what Scripture does in transforming your life. So, church, as we continue to go into this journey of going deeper, I want you guys, to, as we do this in community, like, talk to your friends, talk to your, your neighbor, talk to your cell groups, talk to the one beside you, and just say, hey, Can you keep me accountable this week about how I meditate? Keep me accountable in terms of what I'm reading, what I'm studying, what I'm putting into my heart. Let's see what God does in this community. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Just for your words that come into our hearts, come into our spirit to transform us. Lord, we come before you and know that all scripture is from you. And so, Lord, this is our treasure. So, Lord, when we come before you this week as we pray, as we meditate, Lord, may your spirit flow through. May it transform the way that we live and the way that we interact with this world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.